Hello, Arirang Radio listeners. I'm K-pop and host Isak, and you're listening to Insider. Today, I was trying not to bring my fangirl mode out, but I like it's now impossible because he's given me so many sign stuff that fangirl Isak is here. We got the world famous photographer K Tim the studio. Anyaseo, hello. Hi. Welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, yes, my name is Kei Che. I'm a photographer, mostly known for traveling around the world, but obviously right now just stuck in Korea <laughs> and doing, <laughs> doing things that I can here. Right. Uh, I think that's the perfect phrase to put it. You are stuck in Korea. because yes, not in a negative way. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, very... Happily. So you I've been seeing like your homepage and stuff like that. You've pretty much like visited 80 plus countries. Right. So like 85 and counting. Right. I've been counting. <laughs> so 85, <laughs> I've yes. been counting. Um, and obviously because of the pandemic, you were grounded mm-hmm. back in Korea. Right. Okay. Yes. If you kind of do the math, because I was kind of do the calculations, you've been doing photography professionally for about 12 years right. or about so. Right, 15 years, yes. So pretty much you've rarely stayed in Korea. Uh, yeah, like this is like first time in 12 years that I've stayed in Korea this long. <laughs> Every year before this happened that I always went out somewhere at least three, four months. Okay. Traveling around. So now, so I actually I'm rediscovering Korea because every time back in days when I travel and then come back to Korea, I always felt like something has changed because right. Korea is so fast changing. Right. So I always felt like a strange a little bit, uh-huh. even living in my home country. Right. But now that I'm here for now two years almost, so I'm I dis- rediscovered a lot of things, and that's that's actually how I started photographing Seoul. That's like a new project that I'm doing right now. Ooh. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about that new project a little bit later. But our listeners are saying hello. Uh, It's really great to have you here. Now, I was reading, uh, I actually was looking at a video that you made. And uh, when you were describing yourself, you like to describe yourself like you're a street photographer at heart. Right. Uh, But it seems like you do a lot of different types of photography. Right. So if I were to just title you mm-hmm. like how just world famous photographer is that like the <laughs> title that i can just go for or is that, there like a specific title that you like or prefer that's the only title i wouldn't use but <laughs> <laughs> to describe myself but uh yeah i at the core of my work i i consider myself to be street photographer and that's not to say that i take pictures only in the, only on the streets right. but it's more about my my philosophy in photography that the i don't ask people to pose or I don't set up my shot. I'm more of a intuition kind of guy. Okay. I um, I always just, I, I walk a lot and I always uh, find something interesting by walking, just wandering, being lost, and I capture that moment instantly. So in that essence, I'm, I always consider myself a street photographer, not just when I take pictures of people or what's happening on the street, but even when I'm taking pictures of landscape, people like my landscape work, but even the landscape, I always say I don't take landscape images like those uh, specific landscape photographers do. I incline into more of that street photography philosophy. Like more sp- spontaneous. Right, so I don't moment. plan, like some landscape photographers, they, they 
find a spot and they stay there for like many days or they yeah. come back to the yeah. same spot. Like they set up a, like a hut or like a tent to like capture animals for like days. Right, right. And then they wait for sunset or sunrise, right, right, things, right. things like that. But for me, I only pick a region and I don't decide where I'm going to go. I just wander around and I don't know where I'm going to be at sunset or sunrise. I just kind of leave it at, leave it at chance. And that's kind of a... And by doing that, I lose a lot of moments. But that's kind of how I like to do my work. I Because I want to find something accidentally. And yeah, so that's how okay. I do. Yeah. Now, photography, I feel that an average individual, uh, to meet a photographer like you, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime ordeal. Because, to be very honest, the average person... Either you're taking prom pictures, wedding mm. pictures, or family photos, right. or maybe your passport picture. Mm. You know, the the our interaction with photographers, I think, is very limited, and right. so I feel that our understanding on the whole ideal of photography is very different as well. Because mm-hmm. I feel that you say that you don't really set up the moment to take mm-hmm. pictures, so. Do you ever like heavily edit your pictures afterwards? Because I feel that certain photographers, Mm -hmm. they rely on a certain setting, but they use that as kind of like a blank canvas Mm -hmm. so they can go back and edit it. Right. Sure. So what about you for like since you are such a spontaneous photographer, is there like do you go back and use certain tools to enhance a picture? How does that work? It's a, this is actually great misunderstanding about photography and this big debate that always goes on between even the photographers themselves that how about this post editing right, the right, photographs right, right. and some photographers call themselves purists that they don't touch their photographs <laughs> and okay and just and just I'm totally against it and because this post editing the what they call the photoshopping it didn't come up in the digital age it it existed even in the film days. People did a lot of editing after the, taking the pictures, even in films. So this is like it's, this is not something new. It became easier now with the digital with digital, with digital tech, technology, but it existed. And for me, I think it is really important to edit pictures on on your own because for me, when I look at these people who say like who pride themselves of not editing their pictures, for me, it's like you are letting the the computer, the camera, do do the editing to do ah. the editing, and I wouldn't I wouldn't want that. I would actually want to finish my work on my own hands. So, right. So for that reason, I I have to edit my pictures, and you will see that that I have well. It, it happens even when I take the pictures, but even after uh, I, when I edit the pictures, there are certain uh, characteristics that I want to put on my pictures. So I definitely edit it. Okay, okay, because I feel that, like you were saying, like those purists or whatnot. I feel that I've had uh, exposure to friends who might take like a course in photography in like college as like an elective course or whatnot. Sure. They take like one semester of photography and they think they're like an an expert. You sure. know, they flip their hair. They're just like, oh, so let me see your like camera. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to take pictures with that. Like you're mm-hmm. you're supposed to. You're not supposed to use an auto fi- like right, right, right. feature. You're supposed mm-hmm. to put it in this mode and really know how to. Work your uh-huh, camera. Sure, sure. Are you that kind of a no. photographer as well, or no? I don't. I, I don't know much about cameras actually. <laughs> so, Wait, what? No. When people ask me, they come up to me and they ask me to recommend them cameras, or they yeah. ask me about the settings, and I I only know how how I take pictures. I I don't know a lot of settings, and that's for me. It's, it's not really. The photography, a lot of people just think about the camera, but for me, it's an art form, so okay. I only use camera to take the pictures that I want, 
it's not about like just learning programming or you know some kind of a okay language that mm. kind of perfecting the technique. I mean, there is technique involved, but for me, it's not of so much about the technique. I there is a picture that I want to take, and then I learn the technique to take that picture. I don't learn the technique just to. Take Learn the it. picture. Right, right, right. So you're not trying to be an expert in your camera. You're trying to be an expert in capturing a moment. Right. Pretty much. Okay. Because I've seen some of your exhibitions and I've seen the pictures, especially like with their landscapes and stuff like that. One that stood out for me was the penguin picture right. um, that you have. That's that felt like one of those like National Geographic, like you sat there for like 12 hours <laughs> type sure. of a picture, but that yeah. was actually like a moment. Mm-hmm, picture mm-hmm. as well. Yes, I I went to well there are a lot of different penguin pictures, but most of them uh-huh. I I went to the region that they're known to have the penguins. So like king penguins in South Georgia, there's this island in the Antarctic region, and I I went there and there are thousands of penguins. So for that it, so in that setting, it was more about. Uh, finding right angle, right spot, and right penguins to photograph right, rather right, than right. just finding one. And then They're... just taking one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, well, there's only one time that I had, to, well, I didn't wait for it, but there was this one time I took a picture of an emperor penguin. Mm-hmm. And emperor penguin, it was hard for me to see when I went to the Antarctica because I went there by uh, by the ship, by a, by a cruise ship, and uh, it wasn't going, we weren't going inside the, uh, inside the continent. We were just going by the shore with coastline. And uh, the emperor penguin is only penguin that don't nest near the near the coastline. They oh. they have their nest inside. inside. Okay. So usually they don't come out. So it was uh it was going to be almost impossible to see them. And then there I we met this one penguin, one emperor penguin who was just venturing outside just at at the coastline. So I like on cups of manhood and uh, one expert told me that the when they are about to be adult the emperor penguin have tendency to kind of uh, roam about on oh. their own a little bit so i i met met him in that moment and i took that picture wow okay now you've written seven books so there's seven books that have been printed uh, yes okay so, so seven ish books um now are these all books because the book that you gave me mm-hmm. now is just like a book book it's like a written book right, but right. there's other releases so like are they just all written books is there like picture books is there uh, a little bit of mix like there's some photography books i did okay. and uh and some people are frustrated when they buy my book because some like my recent book only have the only have the text don't, don't have photograph and as then, soon as I was looking through the book earlier uh, our photographer was like there's no pictures I was like I know it's okay yeah and uh, and there's some books that my photography books don't have any text so <laughs> <laughs> there's no in between right so people are like because the famous genre of um, the photography book in Korea is more like what they call photo essays so it's like a text and photograph but for me I, I want to this is kind of out of respect for me as a photographer that I always want to give attention fully to the photographs themselves Mm. that I don't want to to kind of have them accompanied by other text and and when I write also I don't want to get help of the photographs to to kind of uh, cross my points Mm. so I kind of want to separate them and uh, my publisher don't like it, but <laughs> oh well, but, uh, sorry, publisher. Yeah, I'm a little bit stum- stubborn that way. Well, I feel that uh, I think a lot of maybe photographers, when they do a photo essay, uh, and probably the audience as well, sometimes we want the backstory mm-hmm, of the yes. pictures, right. like you, the emperor penguin you just told me about. Right. I feel that you know me looking at the picture and just 
grasping and how beautiful it is, but mm-hmm. then having, you know, a little text of like why right. you took that picture or mm-hmm. how you took that picture. I think that's why people tend to lean right, towards right, photo right. essays because they want like the backstory. Right. So when people ask me, I, I explain to them, I'm mean, like at the exhibition or mm. when people message me. But I but one thing I really like is that the when people look at my photographs without me explain explaining them, they tell me this story is like they're from out of their imagination. I never thought it was ah. possible. And, you know, and they kind of guess that I took this picture for this reason. And I never thought about that. Oh. So I actually kind of like to listen to that kind of a thing. Okay. And, and I'm not a photographer who kind of have this set kind of a concept. And, and I, I don't I'm not like you have to feel this uh, this way about this photograph. And uh, I, uh, I took this photo in this purpose. I'm not like that. I'm if I take the picture in, I have my own purpose. But uh, but I after that I leave it to the people and they can think about it whatever they want. Which I feel that as an artist in general is I feel not common because mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. that uh, any screenplay writer, any photographer, right. any singer they had a reason mm-hmm. for bringing that. Right, right, creation right, right. to the audience mm-hmm. and if it's misinterpreted I feel right, that right. a lot of people might take that offensive but uh-huh. you enjoy the creativity mm-hmm. that your viewers give you yeah. so oh it's a whole different concept so to say that they are even the same is well. yeah <laughs> now um, I think that just like an artist like somebody who is drawing a picture they have their own way of uh, curving their lines you know our Picassos and stuff from the, the past if you were to describe your photos, mm-hmm. would could I like literally just look at any picture that you took and be like, oh, that's a Kate Tip picture. Like mm-hmm. that's definitely one of his pictures. Mm-hmm. What could be some things that we could look forward to, like in your photography? Mm. Well, I guess first thing people think about when they look at my works, obviously colors. Okay. And uh, I always go for that very contrasty, very vivid images, which uh, some people don't like. But uh, but for me, I my my passion in photography has always been about colors. And okay. as I described in this book as well, a lot of people think about photography as taking pictures of something that is out there. Mm-hmm. But for me, I always take photography as uh, expressing myself. Okay. So when I take these very colorful photographs that I didn't sit down and think about, you know, what, what am I going to do? Like that, that differentiate me from other guys. No, I... From very young age, I always loved these very bright colors, that colorful stuff. Okay. As you can see me today, this is kind of modest today, but uh... <laughs> this is modest. Okay. How you look today is modest. Okay. Right. So I enjoyed these very bright colors, the the like rainbow colors. And when I was young, when I used to live in New York, I used to even not. Uh, in my mother's clothes because back then they didn't have a lot of uh, colorful men's clothes. Right, okay. <laughs> so so colors came to me naturally. So uh-huh. the my colors became very contrasty, very high colored because I when I see the world, I always see colors. I pick mm-hmm. up on it. So that's how kind of I became my signature style. Okay. And then second thing would be the a lot of people tell me when they look at my work that they they didn't think it was it was photograph. They always th- say it was they thought it was painting, mm. um, and some photographers take offense to that, like because they want a lot of photographers want to uh, want to show their work and as real as possible, so right, to speak. Right, 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 right. So, but for me, it's never been one misconception. I think is about photography is that thinking photograph shows what is real. Uh-uh. I never thought photography is about showing what is real. As I said, it was about expression. So I always kind of stretch that out, and mm. and I actually 
like the fact that people see my work and think it's their painting. I actually want to stretch that point. So when I have exhibition, I even use kind of a special paper that uh, has little textures on them. Oh. So I actually empathize on that point that they look like paintings mm. and it goes well with my uh, very vivid colors. No, it does because I feel that it creates a little bit more contrast that gets the point across right. uh, with your pictures as well. Now, I've uh, interviewed in the past um, a travel book writer mm -hmm. where sometimes they will plan a trip and they will write a book about it just because they planned that trip. Like they felt right. inspired to go to Switzerland. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that for like books and stuff like that, sometimes the publisher will offer you mm -hmm. like a place to go right. and please capture this and come back. Right. So out of the 85 countries that you've been to up uh -huh. until now, how do you plan your exhibitions like on your adventures are mm -hmm. you planning like okay i'm inspired by africa so i'm going to africa this year or does like a publisher reach out to you and you go or how do you plan mm. your next project it's very rare for me that there's somebody like ask me to go somewhere <laughs> <It's>, uh, i <laughs> wish okay. they did but, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i've been a loner in many ways and uh and well because also because uh, there are like this personal goal that i have personal project i don't because a lot of people misunderstand me as a travel photographer, but I'm more of a this street photographer. So the way I walk, the pictures that I take are different from what they require in kind of a travel photography industry. Okay, okay. So, uh, so it's different. And also, when I first began this whole journey that to that traveling around the world, I started with the old, any countries that I could go to, like at that moment. So oh, I just, wow. I didn't think too much about it because there were so many places that I wanted to go anyway. Uh -huh. So if there, if the opportunity presented itself, I just went. But after some years and after I went to like 30, 40 countries, then, you know, I kind of started to look at the map and see, you know, which, which area that I should go next. Oh. I was starting, I started to see the whole picture of like, because I didn't, like when I see my work, I don't see just one picture. I see it as a whole body of work. Okay. And as I have this, um, my personal goal is to photograph 100 countries. Wow. So to have that, not just 100 countries, but I want to kind of have this nice representation of the earth that I saw. So I see the, the photographs that I've already taken, the places that I've already been, and I kind of look at the map and kind of see, you know, which area should be kind of nice to complement what I've always already have done okay so that's how kind of i decide where to go okay so you're kind of looking back at what you've done just to kind of continue that thought with the places that you're going oh, yes that's that's amazing now all about korea arirang radio today on insider I'm not sure if I am succeeding or not. I think I'm failing at showing my fangirl side today. Uh, we have uh, the second hour of Cave Oven continuing as you continue to listen to Arirang Radio. Our insider for today is the world-famous photographer, Kate. He's been telling us a little bit about his life, about uh, how he takes pictures, about his pictures in general. So out of one of the things that he brought me today is some of his photography. And I talked about penguins earlier. So here's this one. This literally looks just like... That's the emperor penguin that I just told you were about. You talked about, oh, this is amazing. So this white backdrop, this is just the snow, right? Yes. So he's snowing. He is uh, standing on this uh, iceberg. Wow. And I took, took his picture. Okay, fam, I know for those of you who might not be watching our live feed at the moment, 
You might want to hop on over because these pictures are amazing. But yeah, I feel that you can even see through the screen here, the picture, the, the paper texture that he uses to print these on, it really does make it look like it's almost like a painting or a, a, a stencil drawing almost right, right. for like how the colors are put out. So, okay, since I have this picture in front of me, for this picture, after mm -hmm. you took it, mm -hmm. how did you edit it? So, like, did you add, do you add color? Do you make just mm. the lines more vivid? Like, how do you edit this, if you don't mind? Uh, it depends, me. but uh, for me, it's more about, the, but I don't do much. I mean, okay. it's funny that people think that I, when, when they talk about editing, like, they think that I edit a lot, actually. But the funny thing is the, the those photographs, photographs that look what they call real could be actually the photographs that they did more editing. Editing too. <laughs> so, so for me, people people say they look superficial in a way, but uh, I don't do too much. More, mostly I try to bring out the color. So I I want to kind of I want my colors to pop out a little more. So that's mostly what I do. Okay, so it's kind of like organizing. Like right. the picture. Right. And the, the tone of the image. Uh. And, and when you look at my work, there's a certain kind of that kind of a color grading that goes on that that they go all together. That's kind of my little thing. So I kind of uh, try to put them on on that whole kind of uh, my style, my, okay. my character. Okay. So kind of make that your signature. Uh, so we do have a lot of questions coming in. Uh, first one, this is kind of not going in the the flow of things but uh have you ever done or will you ever do a wedding photo shoot uh i have done only once and that was for my friend who did the wedding in the city hall in new york and i thought that was the occasion was very nice okay. so so i wanted to help out i i'm not opposed to it but the reason i don't i haven't done it is uh for me i always want to want to respect the photography in other genres. Oh. I don't like crossing over to different categories. And a lot of photographers think, you know, they can do every everything. But for me, I think the same as the art, you know, the painting, sculpting. I mean, some artists do it all, but uh, I, I think it takes each specific skills to right. do each different categories. And so I, I want to give my respect to the, the specific wedding photographers so I don't want to just you know say you know oh, I can do that too uh, uh, uh. and just go on and do it so okay so I mean as a gift or something you might think about it or if it's like a special event that you feel right. inspired to do but you don't necessarily want to say oh, I'm, I got this I can do everything right uh, okay have you ever done underwater photography I well, just a few times that not exactly on the water, but the when I was in Galapagos, I was uh, snorkeling and I brought this small camera to take some pictures. But uh, I'm uh, really afraid of water, so <laughs> so uh <-huh. laughs> I well even then I did snorkeling and I took some pictures, but uh, my mind was not exactly <laughs> at Focus peace. Focus on the pictures, <laughs> so, okay. So, but it's definitely something I want to do. Actually, one of the reasons I want to uh, learn to dive one day, I did take some classes uh, a few years back, but I didn't get to get that license. But it's something I want to do. But the thing is the. On the water photography takes a lot of money. Right. <laughs> so, because so, I feel that everything is so more expensive to right. like take everything down under. Right. Uh, you have to make sure that the lens doesn't crack either. Right. So there's like a specific equipment right. that you have to buy and right. all the things that, that are involved. So if I'm actually, if I'm commissioned to do it, then I would do it. But to okay. do it myself, yeah, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
a lot of our listeners are listening to us from like Indonesia, from Malaysia, from Singapore, from the Philippines and places like that. So out of all of the places that you've been to now, and I know it's going to be hard to choose, but maybe the most memorable country that you went to, maybe it was because it was the most challenging. Right. Uh, was there any country out of the 85 countries that you've been to that is the most memorable? Uh, it's really hard to pick. It's, it's one of the common questions that I'm asked. But Probably. Because, but because, you know, I never have like a bad destiny, bad country, bad memories from anywhere. Like okay. some people might travel somewhere and th- say, you know, this wasn't for me. But for me, I, I'm kind of a guy who fall in love very easily. So um, whenever I go to a certain country, I always find something nice about it. So whenever... After I've been, I visited one country. I always have that special bond of, uh, mm. about that country. So like when I see that country like playing on a World Cup, like or something that I always root for that country, that kind of thing. So okay. so I always I, I love all the countries that I've been to. But if I have to pick right now, the the one country that I the one of the recent countries that I visited that I st- have very fond memories of is uh, Sudan. Okay. And Sudan, I is special for me because it was really hard to get to <sighs> and also the travel there was really hard there was no no really no travel guide or uh, anything to follow or like on. package deal or anything right so it was very vague and i had to rely on just a uh, scattered information mm-hmm. of like uh, some backpackers who, who traveled back in the days and so it was very uncertain travel but that was also very essence of uh travel that I want to do that and and I do and through and during that time I met a really a lot of nice people okay I mean we didn't speak the same language but it was a really nice experience that I had there so it's definitely one place I want to go back okay yeah you know what? actually that was gonna be my next question uh your English is amazing but obviously in a lot of the countries that you've been to I bet mm-hmm. that English was not necessarily the language that right. would get you around right so Korean's probably not going to be the language that's going to get you around. So how has communicating ever been something? Because I feel that the average person, when we go on vacation, uh, we look at vlogs, we look at tourist-friendly places, we look at places where we can maybe we'll try to learn like thank you or how much is this or goodbye or right. stuff like that. But, you know, the language barrier, mm-hmm. I think, is very challenging and might be intimidating for certain people. Right, so right. how do you go about that when you travel? Well, yeah, well, a lot of Koreans tell me, you know, you'll be better for, better for me because I speak English, but the fact of the matter is that more I travel, more I realize there are so little countries that speak English. Right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and it's funny, and especially when I I remember when I traveled to the Western Africa region, the lot of, most of Western African countries speak French. I mean, they have their own direct, but uh, they, their second language is right. French. Oh wow! And so I also had trouble there. Obviously, they didn't speak English, but uh, but I never thought it was uh, so much problem that we don't speak the same language because for me what i realize by traveling is that the even if you speak the same language there are a lot of misunderstanding <sighs> i mean even in korea i speak korean and these people speak korean and there's so many times that we don't understand each other and actually there's more fighting and arguing because we we think we understand each other but uh, you don't right <laughs> so for me just just by 
speaking the same language doesn't mean that we understand each other. So in that essence, even even though I didn't speak the language that they were speaking, we were more paying paying more attention to each other. And you know, whenever I meet the local people, that I I pay attention to every detail, and we try to communicate with each other. We have that same intention. And when you have that, there is so much that you can understand even without saying anything. True. No. Okay. That that actually makes a lot more sense. I feel that for any of our listeners who might have felt like a fear of a language barrier going overseas and you've held that back because you're afraid of doing it. I think that our photographer is living proof that just go. There's so much right. more that you can do, even though you guys don't speak the same language. Yeah, re- regret later. <laughs> yeah, do it now so you don't regret it later. Um, so you did tell us briefly that you were in New York? Yes. For a while. So was that for school? Did you move there? What was that whole... Uh, yeah, so uh, my it was because of my family. Uh, so my uh, tra- traveling around, you could say, started early because my family moved to for moved first to Honduras. This was a Central Central American country back in 1994, 1994, and this was before a lot of people started traveling. And yeah, because Honduras is still a place now that not a lot of people would mark off the first place they would go to. But if you went back in 94, that was, okay, very, okay, right. spontaneous. Right. Well, looking back, it was a really interesting place. I mean, but, right. but I was like 16 years old at the time, so I didn't realize how that was. So I spent like a year and a half there, and then my family moved again to New York. So that's when I kind of oh. started. I went to school there, and I went to college. That's where I first uh, started photography. So yeah, I have a fun uh, kind of heart for the uh, for the city of New York. Yes. Okay. So if you if anybody is like, okay, where's your heart? You might say that New York has a special place in your heart. Yes. Okay. Because um, I feel that a lot of people do that. There's like an East West thing, and right, right. like you're forever an East West person, mm-hmm. apparently. Yes. So, East guy. <laughs> yeah, he's an Eastern guy. Um, for you said that you started photography in college. Mm-hmm. So were you the person that I was talking about earlier where like it was just an elective mm-hmm. class, like you just planned on doing it for a semester? Or was it something that kind of you thought, oh, maybe I'll just change my major? Or how did that start? Well, the uh, it's kind of a long story. but <laughs> It's <laughs> fine. Give it to me. Give me the whole story. Well, when I was younger, I uh, in my teenage years, I always wanted to be an artist, but I didn't know what I was going to do. Well, obviously, I didn't want to study, so <laughs> I was looking for what I could do. And uh, for a long time, from when I was little, I I had this uh, dream of uh, drawing, painting, that kind of stuff. But I'm really, really bad at drawing, and not just bad; it's like extremely bad. <laughs> and even today, if I drew something like walk on it, it's so hard. And I create this piece and put it to put it next to some uh, pre-kindergarten kids' work. <laughs> And no, you, I doubt it's that you, bad. You wouldn't differentiate mine from theirs. No, no, I'm no. serious. So, <laughs> so I had this really bad talent. But when I went to college in New York, um, I went there without deciding major. So, I decided maybe I will take some art classes, and maybe the college education will teach me how to draw, and maybe I have this uh, uncovered potential that uh, these professors could uh, help me discover. Help you discover? (laughs) Right. So I took these classes, like painting, the drawing, all this stuff, like, you know, the the apple on table, things things of that. (laughs) Shading and all that. Right, things of that nature, and I tried so hard, but I was so bad. (laughs) I mean, this wasn't really, like, special art school, but... When you take art class, at least there are some certain 
like standards standard that the these people come in with and they like compared to their work it was like so bad i mean like just right next to them you know you could think i was just joking around <laughs> but it was my masterpiece <laughs> so. i put so much hours and love into this piece right but thankfully i mean the professors never tell never told me that the i i should uh, find something else to do oh <laughs> they were sweet okay yeah, they were the, nice about it they gave me like a c c plus kind of like kind of like a, you know you you tried kind of thing. <laughs> see forever <laughs> right so but I myself, I, I after one semester, I, I, I realized this wasn't going to be my thing to do. But good thing was that among all those classes that I took, one of the art classes that I took was the film photography, the black and white photography class. And I thought it was something that, that suits me, that I felt photography was something... It was it was kind of like a painting without really painting. Okay. So I I thought that was kind of a way to go. So on my second semester, I changed my major to photography. So that's when I first started. Wow. So I guess maybe that's this is the unable to paint. <laughs> right. You could say I'm painting through your pictures. <laughs> right. With the stuff that you were not able to do back yes. then. Okay. Well, that's so amazing. Fam, if you have any more questions and messages, continue to send those in. We're going to be looking at those in just a few moments. I have a little OX quiz that I'm going to try to squeeze in as well. I'm in London. I'm in Australia. Tokyo. The Philippines. Finland. Indonesia. New York. Arirang Radio. Radio. Now live in Seoul. All right, so we've got our insider in the studio for today. Him and I have been talking up a storm during the song break. It's literally feeling like just coffee time, like tea time with just an old friend because our amazing photographer is here in the studio with us. We had a question that was coming in. I think you got this question all the time, but how do you take care of your camera? Adrian mm. from the Philippines asked this. Yes, actually, it's funny that I hear so many stories about other photographers who travel and they get their cameras stolen yeah and all these uh, interesting stories even the places that i've been to already and they tell me you know i always i just kind of like a face palm i mean like it's just because they tell me like they left their the camera bag in the in the bus or wow. and they tell me these things and i'm like you know how can you do that and <laughs> because for me when i travel i never ever leave my camera bag uh, anywhere I mean it's I, always like on you like, right even even when I take like bus in this you know like when I go to some places there are this like tiny bus and there is this uh, four seats and there are like six people sit and uh, I have to like squeeze in and, and you go like 20 hours oh, <laughs> in, wow. in that position oh and, no and even then I is my camera bag is on my lap I never put it on the top or to save space right, or anything or, or in, um, down no it's, uh, it's always on me and uh, when it, wherever I go and even when I use toilet I, I take them with me and there are also the many places that I had to go, like the horrendous uh, toilets that I have to go to, had to go to, and and they're so tiny, and I and I have this big camera bag, and kind of put trying to position myself. And but you still everything. It's like it's on you, right? So no matter e- what. even when I when I sleep, when I sleep in uh, like some kind of a guest houses, like uh, some hostels, uh, in you know like communal beds kind of thing I, I I kind of uh, tie the bag onto my arm and I and I sleep with it I don't I don't put it in any other any other places oh, yeah I, but I feel that that's and it's so easy because the bags are pretty bulky because right. you have to have so many things in there like extra batteries and you right. know, chargers and the right. lenses and all right. that so right so it's pretty heavy so my mm-hmm. my bags usually like 15 kilograms and 
20 could be. So it's wow. on my lap. And when, even when I sleep, these beds are really tiny a lot of most times. So I always give the better spot to my bag. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, sleeping just like... In the corner. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so, well... But well, I, so I so because I did that I I really never really lost any my cameras and yeah I ne- didn't have any only time I lost my phone once oh, so that okay. was the only time so. okay um I feel that we're not going to be able to do the OX quiz today I really want to but I don't think we're going to have enough time but I do want to ask you this before we go I, I hope this doesn't turn into a lecture. Do you feel that there is a difference between film and digital? Because I do know that there's like certain photographers right, right. that are like, no, film is more softer and warmer right. and digital is more whatever. Yeah. Um, do funny. you feel that it's different or? I mean, it is different, but I don't, it, for me, it's more of a personal preference. I okay. think it's uh, more of a because whatever film can do, digital can do, too. And uh, the vice versa. Right. Mm. So it's more about the there's thing about film, I guess, that is that comes from the it being analog mm. but uh, it's more of a kind of a texture the look of it but for me it's more of a when you take pictures in films uh, it's more about not the result but it's more about the mindset I think that okay. the, there's only like 36 ro- the films ah, that you use and like you and, have like a regulation to it right like and then you cannot see the result oh. so it's more about the, how, how it puts uh, you into this uh, specific mindset okay. uh, not so much about the result itself okay well thank you so much for joining us in the studio for today uh, is there anything our listeners can look forward to before we say goodbye to well, look out for so the next the coming spring, I'm uh, planning an exhibition on the, the Seoul photography that I've been working on. And the new book will come out as well. So that's the one thing that I'm really working on. So if you guys check that out, it'll be really nice. I'll be there. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much for joining us in the studio. It's time for us to sign off and I'll see you next time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, bye. Did you enjoy today's interview? I hope you did. If you want to catch us live, don't forget to catch us live every Wednesday from 1 to 2 p.m. Korea Standard Time. And we are always waiting for your questions, too, so don't miss out. If you missed the live broadcast, you can always go back and check out our VOD service and our AOD service through our homepage or our application that is free. Don't miss out on power interviews with yours truly, DJ Isak, every Wednesday. Thank you.